0: All right, let's make our way back to our seats this morning. Let's make our way back to our seats. All right, good morning, everyone. All right, we have a few more. We have a few more people here this morning, so it should be a little louder. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. All right, and then good morning to those of you who are um, watching and joining us. For church online as well. Um, just want to welcome everyone and thank you guys so much for joining us here this morning at Coastline. Um, before we get into God's Word this morning, have one quick announcement, and that announcement is right underneath your chair. So if you would, would you reach down under your chair? There's a flyer down there that I want you guys to grab. We have a new graphics department here at um, Coastline. And so um, if you guys have noticed, our, we're stepping up our game a little bit in, in the graphics area. So, um, But real quick, that flyer that you guys hold in your hand is not only an invitation for you and your family to join us, but it's also an invitation that I want to encourage you guys to pass along to maybe one of your friends, one of your family members, a neighbor, someone Looking for a church. Um, on Sunday, June 13th, we're having what we're calling a dedication service. And what we're the whole point of the dedication service is to take this space that the Lord has blessed us with, that the Lord has provided for our church, and to offer it up to Him, to ask the Lord to really bless the space going forward, that everything that's done here, that everything that happens here, that it would glorify him and that he would receive all the, all the honor, glory, and praise. And so we just want to celebrate God's faithfulness. We want to take that day to celebrate God's goodness and really to just focus on him and say, hey, Lord, whatever you want to do here, whatever you want to do with not only the space, but whatever you want to do with whoever might step through the doors and come in here. Lord, whatever you want to do behind this pulpit, Lord, whatever you would want to do through worship from this stage, Lord, we want you to bless it. We want you to be a part of it. And so Sunday, June 13th, okay, we'd love for you guys to be here. And then if that wasn't motivation enough, if the goodness and faithfulness of God wasn't enough, I have another incentive for you guys to join us. Tacos, okay? So we have God's faithfulness, we have God's goodness, and then we have pastor. Okay, we have asada and we have chicken. But anyways, after service, we're going to have some food. And so I want to encourage you guys to not only come, be blessed that morning, but to also come and let's fellowship and share a meal outside after the service. So make plans, keep that, pass one on. There's more over in the back. I just encourage you guys to take that with you and to really make that day a priority. We're good? We're good? All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, would you go with me over to 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1 this morning, and then would you also leave something over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, because we're eventually going to make our way over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But this morning, let's start in 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, it says in verse 2, of the chapter grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord if you have your pen pencil highlight or something that makes a line this morning would you underline the phrase there in verse 2 grace and peace be multiplied grace and peace be multiplied Now, while you're in 2 Peter, would you turn with me now over to chapter 3? 2 Peter chapter 3 this morning. Take a look at verse 18 with me. It says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there, verse 18, would you underline the phrase, grow in the grace? Grow in the grace. Now, would you leave something there in 2 Peter? And would you go with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? 2 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. And would you take a look at verse 7 with me? Paul the Apostle writing, he said, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he and the Lord said to to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches and needs, in persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Few things to underline here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Back in verse 9, would you underline the phrase my grace is sufficient for you? My grace is sufficient for you. And then there's two other words that I want you guys to circle. In verse nine, would you circle the word strength? And then would you circle the word weakness? And then would you jump with me down to verse 10? And would you circle the word weak? And then would you circle the word strong? Let's pray together this morning. Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for this moment, this time that we have to gather together as the body of Christ and to sing praises to you, to worship you through song, to express our hearts to you through lyric. And now, Lord, to be able to sit and hear from you through your word. We pray that you would take our study this morning, the grace of God. And Lord, would you minister, would you speak to our heart? Lord, you know how desperately we need your grace in our life. And so, God, I pray that we would be attentive. Lord, that you would have our attention. That, God, we would be ready to receive from you. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you missed last week, we did an intro to our mini-series here titled, Let's Grow. Now, this morning, we're going to focus specifically on a message, if you're taking notes, that I've titled, Let's Grow in Grace. If you were with us last week, let me quickly summarize for you guys what's happening. We're entering a season here at Coastline where we are going to place a heavy emphasis on getting involved in what we're calling a grow group. And grow groups are simply going to be times during the week where we want to provide opportunity for people to gather, for the body of Christ to gather, for church family to gather and to grow. And so some of us might feel like, man, I need to grow in the area of the basics or the area of apologetics, knowing what I believe. And so we want to provide that opportunity for people to come and grow in that area Some of you guys might be married and you might say, man, I love the opportunity. I feel called that God is pressing upon us as a couple, the desire to grow in our marriage, to grow together. And so we're entering a season where we want to see marriages. We want to see what God has put together, what God has joined together. We don't want to see it separate, but we want to see it thrive. We want to see it flourish. And so we're heading into that season. Some of us have teenagers, and we're like, what do we do with them? They're crazy. They're messed up. And we, 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 we do a lot of complaining, not me, of course, but the rest of you guys do a lot of complaining about your children. And maybe some of us might be saying, but what do we do? How, how, how do we get them to grow in their relationship with the Lord? And so we want to provide that space, that opportunity to watch our teenagers grow in the Lord more than anyone. You know, for me, I have four in that age bracket. I want to see them grow in the Lord. As a dad, I don't want to constantly be complaining, oh my goodness, I hope they get it or I hope it finally clicks. But I want to provide a space, a time, an opportunity for them to grow in the Lord. And so it led to this series that we're in, and last week I mentioned it was our intro. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to take one of the four areas that we're going to focus on the next several weeks. Those areas are growing in grace, which is this morning. Next Sunday morning, we're going to talk about growing in our knowledge of the Lord. We're going to follow it up by talking about growing in our faith and what that means and what that looks like. And then we're going to finish it up by taking a look at growing in love and what that means and what that looks like scripturally. So this morning, if you didn't notice, when we were reading our text at the beginning, the emphasis this morning is on grace. Would you go back with me there to 2 Peter chapter 1? 2 Peter chapter 1. I don't know if you guys caught this, but... 2 Peter chapter 1, we read out of verse 2. We follow that up by reading out of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. So we pretty much read the beginning of Peter's letter to the Christian, and we read the very last verse of Peter's letter to the Christian. And what I find interesting about both verses, beginning of the letter end of the letter is that there's a heavy emphasis on grace growing, grace multiplying in our life. Take a look at chapter 1, verse 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. If you're taking notes this morning, this word multiplied in the Greek, it literally means to abound. Or, literally, what Peter is saying is that his desire for the people of God is that we experience, that they at that time would experience lots and lots of God's grace. Or you could say it this way more and more of God's grace. That grace would abound in the life of a Christian, that grace would multiply in the life of the believer. So that is the introduction to Peter's letter. Now jump with me over to the close of Peter's letter real quick. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Peter says these words, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We'll save knowledge for next week. But this morning our focus is, uh, our focus is growing in grace. Now, I have a few questions for you guys this morning. We, we've probably all heard the phrase growing in grace, right? Some of us maybe have even listened to radio programs. I, I know that that's a popular radio program name for pastors on the radio. But the question that I have this morning is, what does it mean to grow in grace? What does it look like for a Christian to grow in grace? And one last question, what will we see when a Christian is truly Growing and grace. What will it look like? What will, the, what will the visual be? My prayer for each of us is that we would experience lots and lots of God's grace. That God's grace would overflow, listen, into our roots. And that it, as it overf- overflows and spills into our roots, that we would grow by it. After the word Jesus there probably is no sweeter word in all the Bible than the word grace. We got Jesus, we got grace. I want you guys to listen to how one commentator has written, what one commentator has written about God's grace. He said this it's the greatest unused resource in all the world. It is the wealth of God's kindness, the riches of his mercy, the soothing oil of his forgiveness, the free and undeserved hope of eternal life. Grace is what we crave when we are guilt-laden. Grace is our only ray of hope when the future darkens over the storm clouds of fear. In other words, we need lots and lots of grace in our life. We need God's grace to be multiplied to us. We need to stand firm in him and grow in him and grow in his grace. My prayer this morning is that for us as Christians, that the grace of God would not be the most unused resource in all the world. I pray that God's grace for the Christian would be the most tapped into resource in all the world. In other words, I pray that we as Christians would soak up the grace of God. The other day, Christy and I, we went to a Mexican restaurant. What a surprise, right? And we had the most delicious, I, I, I wrote it down here because I don't want to mess it up, camarones al mojo de ajo. How many of you guys know what I just said? All right. Camarones al mojo de ajo. Did, did, I, did I say it right? Okay. I don't know why I'm looking at you, Manny, but I, 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 I figure he knows if I said it right. Basically, those of you that didn't know what I just said, we ordered a plate of shrimp in garlic butter. And they brought out these large prawn-sized shrimp. And alongside the shrimp, they brought this huge, I mean, th- this thing was big. It was this big dipping bowl full of garlic butter sauce. And so Christine and I, we took the shrimp, we peeled them, and we ate, and we ate, and we ran out of shrimp. But we still had a lot of this garlic butter sauce left. So guess what we did? Or actually, she's healthy. Guess what I did? I started taking the chips, and man, I started using that thing like like if it was salsa. I I was dipping, I was scooping. I was getting all that substance there, you know, the, the, it, it was buttery, but then there's that other stuff at the bottom that you probably shouldn't eat. I mean, I was dipping in that thing, and I was eating it. Eventually, my chips ran out, and I still had more sauce left, and so I took that sauce and started sprinkling on my rice, and I was eating it out of my rice, and man, it was so good. Probably not good for my arteries, but it, it, it was really good. This sauce was amazing after I ran out of chips, after I ran out of rice, I still had a little bit left, and so I had no other food to dip in there, and so I just chugged it. I just took this thing. I was like, this is so good. I just, I want to soak up every last ounce of it, and so I took it, and I chugged it, and my wife was looking at me like, you're gonna die. She might have been looking at the, around the restaurant like, um. I'm about to be a widow pretty soon, anybody out there. I, I, I don't know what she must have been thinking, but she's like, why, why would you down butter? And I remember thinking to myself, because it's so good, and I don't want it to go to waste. I wanted to soak up every drop of this thing because it was so good. Let me get to my point this morning. I pray that the roots of our growing lives would soak up the grace of God, every drop, every resource available to us that we would tap into it. And as it's multiplied to us, I pray that we would be at that place where where we say, man, I can't help but want to take it in. So what does growing in grace look like on a practical level? Does it mean that our words are more gracious What does it? What does it look like on a practical level? Does it mean that our deeds towards others are more gracious? How many guys right now are into Dogecoin? Anybody here? Anyone invested in Dogecoin? Okay, a few of us, right? I know some of the guys are really into it, and some of them have made quite a bit of money, you know. And it's funny. About two months ago, Isaac told me you should just buy it. It's like five cents, and I was like, no, it's okay. And I mean, I would have been a millionaire right now, but. Dogecoin, it's like something. If you don't know what it is, look it up later. But Dogecoin is cryptocurrency, and you know it, a lot of the gain that's been happening lately has been pushed by Elon Musk, um, maker, owner of Tesla. He keeps sending out tweets. When he sends out a tweet, the price of Dogecoin goes up. So last week, Elon Musk was going to be on Saturday Night Live. And anybody watched Saturday Night Live last week? All right, you better repent after. But listen... <laughs> So, I a few a few weeks ago I, I bought some Dogecoin too, and so online on Twitter they were talking about man Elon Musk. You know, if he mentions it, it's going to skyrocket, and their whole phrase is it's going go to go the moon, right? And so I'm watching Saturday Night Live last week. I, I, I'm confessing my sin to you guys right now. Okay, listen, and I'm watching because I want to see if he's going to mention Dogecoin. And one of the skits that he did was a skit about Dogecoin. And so they had their little news desk, you know, that, that little thing where the two guys go back and forth. And so they brought Elon Musk in as a character named Lloyd. And he was an investment guy, a rich guy, you know, he he knows the market. And so the guy's interviewing him in this little skit and he looks at Lloyd, Elon Musk, and he says, well, what is Dogecoin? And Lloyd goes and he responds by, oh, it's a cryptocurrency and it's the... And he starts giving like this this... He just rambles a bunch of words, and the, and after he's done, the guy looks over him and says, "No, no, no, but but what is Dogecoin? Well, it's the money of the future, and it's the over the head." And he, the guy looks at him after he's done and says, "No, no, no, but what is Dogecoin? Oh, it's the you know, and we're gonna go to the moon." And and he, he he stops him again and he says, "But what is dodge? I mean." There was all these answers that kept on... How many of you guys saw the skit? So you guys know kind of what I'm talking about. And so it continued to go over the head. But what is it? It's blah, 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 blah. But, but, but what is it? But what is it? And there finally came a point where, you know, he made a joke. Well, actually, it's just a hustle. And then guess what? As some of you guys know, all of our money, we lost it all. But anyways, because he called it a hustle... But the question was over and over again, what is Dogecoin? What is it? This morning, as I put together our study this week, I have to ask the same question. In fact, as I studied this week, trying to figure out what is growing in grace? What does it look like? In fact, every time I listened to a study this week about growing in grace, I had to come back to the pastor, even though I wasn't with them, But there online, I'm like, but what is growing in grace? And then I would read a commentary, and the, the, the pastor would talk about it and, and give an answer, but then I kind of came back and like, but what is growing and growing? I found myself stumped this week, but what is it? What does it look like? What does it mean? So I had to study the hard way this week. You know what I had to do? I listened to pastors that I respect, didn't get an answer. I opened commentaries that are my go-to commentaries, didn't get an answer. So check this out. I had to sit at the Lord's feet this week. You know, I had to actually rely upon His Spirit this week to teach me instead of going to men to teach me. And the picture that the Lord gave me, at least for me, To me, it was a very beautiful picture. And, you know, some of my favorite pastors, some of my favorite commentators, they did a good job of expounding, of of teaching the scripture. But I still walked away having to sit with the Lord and asking the Lord myself, but what is growing in grace? What does it mean? What does it look like? The answer that the Lord gave me at least for myself, and I pray that it would minister and speak to your heart as well. The picture was this. The picture is God leaning into our lives and providing for us everything that we need at that moment in our life. Let me me say this again. The picture that the Lord gave me was of him leaning into our lives and providing for us everything that we need at that moment of time. Growing in grace is a picture of us receiving from God what we need moment by moment. Let me say the opposite. To not grow in grace means having everything we need before us in Jesus, and yet choosing to not receive grace or help in that moment. Some of you guys might be saying this morning, but what's Dodge What's growing in grace? Let, let, Let me try and simplify the phrase real quickly. Growing in grace is this. If you're taking notes, maybe write it down. Growing in grace is learning to trust Jesus moment by moment. Growing in grace is learning to trust Jesus moment by moment because he is gracious in every situation. I'm gonna say that one more time. Growing in grace is learning to trust Jesus moment by moment because he is gracious in every situation. In my moment of weakness, he provides grace. In my moment of need, he provides grace. In my moment of temptation, he provides grace. In my moment of confusion, he provides grace. In my moment of feeling overwhelmed by guilt and shame, he provides grace. Whatever I need at that moment, the Lord comes with these resources that we talked about earlier, and he makes them available to us. They're a a gift of grace from him. And he says, will you take it? And growing in grace is saying, yes, Lord, in my moment, in this moment, I choose to receive grace. I choose for you to bless my life. I choose for you to remove shame, to remove guilt. Whatever I need in this moment, growing in grace looks like choosing to receive what God has made available to me. Would you go with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12? There's this beautiful picture of growing in grace in Paul's life. You guys know the text, you know the verse, you know the story. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we're told that Paul receives a thorn in the flesh. Some call it, according to the text, a messenger from Satan, But some also know that God has allowed this thorn in his flesh. This thorn, God was speaking to Paul. God was using the apostle Paul. And so one of the things that most of us know is that when the Lord uses us, when God is doing a work in our life, Satan is also coming alongside to try and destroy that work. And one of the ways that Satan tries or attempts to destroy that work that God is doing in our life and through our life is to pump us up with pride. To get us to think that the thing that's happening is because of us. And so to keep Paul humble, to keep him at a place where he's not being, as it says in verse 7, exalted above measure or lifted up, Satan comes and he buffets him. And the Lord allows this buffeting in Paul's life. Specifically, most commentators believe that this thorn that Paul refers to is some sort of eye disease or eye pain. But whatever it was, there was this physical ailment, this physical condition that Paul was going through. And I want you guys to notice there in verse 8, it says, concerning this thing, whatever this physical thing that Paul was going through, whatever it was, he said, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So whatever was bothering him, whatever was hurting him, he begged of the Lord, he pleaded with the Lord, Lord, would you take it? Lord, would you heal it? God, would you deliver me from it? God, would you take your hand and place your hand upon my life physically and deliver this from me? And we would expect that because Paul prayed such a prayer that God would come and say, okay, you not only prayed it once, twice, but three times. I heard you, I got you, and God would have just delivered him. But instead, God had a different answer for Paul and this physical ailment. It says in verse nine, take a look at it with me. He said to me, this is Paul talking. He says, the Lord spoke to me. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. If you didn't underline that, highlight that earlier, would you do that right now? My grace is sufficient for you. This word sufficient, if you're taking notes in the Greek, it literally means that it's enough or that it's adequate. He says, my grace is enough for you. And what God wanted to do in Paul's life wasn't necessarily healing, but he says, my grace is enough for you. Notice in verse 9, keep reading, he says, For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. You see, God was teaching him something. God was teaching him. Yeah, you're receiving revelation from me. God is using you. Things are happening through your life. But if there's anything that God wanted to teach Paul, it was, that Paul would never boast about what was happening in his life or what was happening through his life, but he wanted Paul to boast, notice the end there, verse nine, about the power of Christ, about the power of Christ that was upon him, that the sufficiency of God's grace was enough to get him through even the most painful of physical ailments. He says in verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs and persecutions and distress. Kind of interesting that Paul uses the word pleasure. He doesn't say in verse 10, therefore I deal with my infirmities, I deal with reproaches, I deal with my needs, I, I stick it out through persecution, I stick it out through my distress. He says, notice in verse 10, I take pleasure, meaning I I somehow have gotten to the place where I actually find pleasure, where I'm delighted. Who would think that anyone would ever speak of physical ailment, physical pain in that way? Oh, I I find pleasure in it. Unless you're some kind of sociopath that deserves to have your life be a character on like criminal minds, right? I mean, uh, uh, then you're like, oh, I take pleasure. But other than that... Who would find pleasure in their infirmities and in their physical weaknesses, in needs and persecution and distress? He says, I take pleasure in it for Christ's sake, because I know that people are watching, people are listening. People know that I pleaded with the Lord three times to take this from me, and God instead spoke to me about His grace in this moment. In this season of life, he says, I'm, I, I delight, I take pleasure for Christ's sake. Because somehow God's going to get the glory. Somehow it's going to lead to a conversation about the grace of God. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. There's something I want us to notice here in the overall text. In our moments, in our seasons of weakness, whether they're physical, whether they're emotional, whether they're practical, you know, there's a need in your life, practically. In our moments and season of weakness, growing in grace looks like an exchange. I want you guys to watch this with me, and I want you guys to notice it with me. Paul says, God took my weakness, he gave me grace, and my weakness was was exchanged for strength. He says, I pleaded with the Lord when I was weak. He told me his grace was enough for me, therefore I'm strong. There's this exchange that's happening in the text. And God calls out to Paul and says, My grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. Let me say it like this this morning. God is saying to us this morning, My grace is enough to get you through this moment. Now, I don't have to say what that moment is because most of us in here, we might be going through a moment, we might be living in a season or we might be living in a past 24 hours. Whatever it is, whatever moment, season, past 24 hours, you are currently dealing with at this time, he says, listen, my grace is sufficient to get you through it. Now the enemy will come and convince you otherwise. The enemy will come and tell you that there are other things that are sufficient. There are other things that are enough to get you through whatever it is that you're struggling with. The enemy comes and says, sex is sufficient. If you could just get more of this, man, you'll feel better. The enemy comes and says, man, pills are sufficient enough to get you through this season, If you take enough of this, if you get prescribed enough of this, and you pop enough of this, this is sufficient enough to get you through this moment. The enemy comes and he says, man, you know that New York sellers, bestseller book that just came out that everyone's tweeting about, everyone's talking about, everyone's posting about on self-love or self-help or whatever it is? He says, the enemy will say, that's enough. If you read this book, this book is enough. It's sufficient to get you past this moment, this season, this struggle, this battle. Yet the reality is all those things involve exchange. Listen, all those things involve exchanging a weakness for another weakness. The only place that you can find exchanging a weakness for strength is in Jesus Every other exchange is exchanging weakness for another weakness. Have you ever gone to the Buffalo Exchange? Anybody here ever gone shopping or taking your clothes to the Buffalo Exchange? When you go to the Buffalo Exchange, you hit the thrift store, and there are basically two options. It's like a a bougie um, Goodwill, in case you don't know what I'm talking about. And basically, you go there, and you have two options. You take a bag of your clothes, the things that you don't want, your weak clothing, and you bring these unwanted clothes to the store and you exchange them. And your options are you can exchange them for someone else's unwanted clothes, weak, the weak part of their wardrobe, and so you do this, this exchange. My sorry stuff for your sorry stuff. Here we go, right? And that's the exchange. My weakness for your weakness. My weak clothes for your weak clothes. Or there's another option. You bring the weak things in your closet, your unwanted clothes, and you exchange them for cash. Oh, there's more store credit, but you're getting junk. Or you exchange it for cash, something of value. So here's the offer from God every day, every moment, moment by moment. He's constantly willing to exchange our weakness for his strength. And I'll tell you guys, what an amazing exchange, is it not? Because most of us in this room, let's be honest, give me your eyes for a moment, church. Most of us in this room have spent a majority of our life exchanging weakness for weakness with the enemy. Bringing him our weakness and him saying, oh, try this and and going back and forth and yet only the Lord you come to him you say here's my weakness and he says my grace I'm I'm, I'm gonna give you grace I'm gonna give you something that you don't deserve and so you come to him and say my weakness is bitterness and he says I'm gonna give you grace and that grace looks like forgiveness you see you're exchanging weakness for strength. Listen, church. His grace is sufficient. His grace is enough, moment by moment. This is my prayer for us. My prayer is that we would grow in turning to Jesus. That's what growing in grace in its most simplest form looks like. In my moments of weakness, do I turn to the Lord and grow in grace because His grace is sufficient? Or do I turn to the enemy and exchange weakness for weakness? You see, my prayer for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, is that we would turn to Jesus, that we would grow in grace. As we head towards the conclusion of our study this morning. Emphasis on towards, because there's a few more minutes left, okay? Some of you are like, yes, but towards the conclusion of our message this morning. Let me close by sharing with you guys two more thoughts about grace. If you're taking notes, there's two things I wanna leave you guys with this morning about grace. Number one, would you write this down? I pray that we would be lavished by grace. I pray that we would understand that we are lavished by grace. The word lavished, if you're also taking notes, would you write this down? It means to bestow something in generous quantities. To bestow something in generous quantities or to pour out in abundance. Let me give you an example. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, See What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And so the Apostle John, at the latter stages of his life, he says, man, God's love has been lavished upon us. It's been bestowed upon us in generous, extravagant quantities. God's love has been poured out upon us in abundance. Let's go back to that Mexican restaurant. They could have brought me a little tiny sip of that butter, but man, that waiter came out and he gave me this large bowl of it. He lavished me with death that day. You know, he lavished me with butter. He brought it out to me in a generous portion, in abundance, and God's word says that we've been lavished by the love of the Father. It's, it, I mean, we can't even comprehend the amount, the quantity, the substance, the quality of the love of God that's been lavished upon us. But God's word also says that we've been lavished by grace. We've been lavished by grace. Would you write this down? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. It says these words, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, listen, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. There's two phrases here in Ephesians 1 verse 8 that just pop. The riches of his grace have been lavished upon us. Close your eyes for a minute. Try and picture that. Try and comprehend that. The riches of his grace being lavished, poured out in abundance upon us. You guys can open your eyes. Let me tell you the problem of what I just made you do. I don't think that we can fully even comprehend by closing our eyes and trying to picture it what that looks like. Because it's so overwhelming. The picture of His grace being lavished upon us, moment by moment, season by season, whatever we need, in whatever moment, He lavishes it. pours it out in abundance upon us. Number two this morning, we're going to finish here. Would you write this down? And this is probably the most important thing that I'm going to say this morning. Number two, to grow in grace, we, we first must be saved by grace. To grow in grace, number two, we first must be saved by grace. Last week, we studied how the Bible likens us to a tree. If you're with us last Sunday morning, we talked about the palm tree being planted. We talked about the strength of the the cedars in Lebanon, the redwoods in Northern California. It's funny, um, our brother Eli here in the second row, he's been praying about um, coming to Coastline and being a part of our church family and I saw him the other night, and it was interesting what he said to me. He said, "He said Randolph, I'm coming to Coastline on Sunday. I said, wow, that's great. He said, because I want to be like a palm tree. He said, I heard your message last week. I want to be a palm tree. I want to grow like a palm tree. I want to talk about trees for a moment, in case you didn't get enough of it last week. This is what I wrote here in my notes this morning about trees. I wrote, dead trees do not grow. Dead trees do not grow. That's like mind-blowing stuff right there, like deep. I mean, close your eyes and try and comprehend that. Dead trees do not grow. I mean, blow your mind. But let me also say this this morning. Dead trees can only be decorated. Dead trees can only be decorated at Christmas, Think about this with me for a moment. We buy dead trees. Some of us spend so much money on dead trees. I mean, that, that, that's really what you buy. That's what you're buying, isn't it? You're buying this big, massive thing that if we're being honest, it's, it's dead. Although let me say it another way. Every Christmas, most of you in this room you spend 50 to $150 to buy a murdered tree. I hope you feel bad. Think about it. And, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just murdered, but it was like decapitated. I mean, chainsaw massacre. I mean, think, think, think about it. I don't mean to ruin Christmas for you guys. But every year, you spend hard-earned money on massacred trees, dead trees, and what we do is we take this massacred, murdered tree, we stick it in our house, and we deck it out as if it's alive. Poor tree. And then you go, I mean, it's already dead, and then you go and put lights on it to, to, to heat it up and, and burn the thing, and, and we put ornaments on these dead trees and try to make them pretty, but the reality is, let me say this, it's still dead. It's still dead. Let's take it a step further. About five weeks after you spent 100 bucks on your massacred tree, you throw it away. You take this dead tree that is drying out and you place it in that green dumpster in front of your house. How many of you guys feel like I just ruined Christmas for you? Okay, I, I, I'm so sorry. Thank, thank the Lord that you guys have like eight months to recover before we get there, okay? But listen. This is my point this morning, just like a tree, a person who is dead in their trespasses and unwilling to be alive in Christ through gra- by grace, through faith in him, they cannot grow spiritually. When a person refuses to be alive in Christ, they cannot grow spiritually. A person can appear to grow spiritually. This is how. By placing external biblical ornaments on their tree. And so we take an ornament of love and and we hang it on our dead tree. We, we, We take the ornament of serving. We get involved in the church and we hang it on our dead tree. We get involved in things of compassion. And so we have the ornament of compassion. We take it and we place it on a dead tree. We take the ornament of empathy. We take the ornament of giving. We take the ornament of keeping his commands and we place them on dead trees. Without being alive in Christ, we are nothing more than a Christmas tree with ornaments. We become nothing more than a dead person, dead in their trespasses with a bunch of biblical stuff hanging from them. And then it gets even worse because then you get into legalism. And trying to earn salvation. Without calling on the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternal life, a person is nothing more than a dead, decked out tree. Yet when a person comes to salvation in Christ, they are made alive in Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 11 says, Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. In Christ Jesus, when someone is saved by grace, they can make the decision daily to grow in grace. This is my point this morning. If you're here and you would say to me, Randolph, I really desire to grow in grace. Where do I start? You start with being alive in Christ because then you can receive daily what you need, the grace of God. But if you're a churchgoer, someone hanging out here on Sundays, and yet you are dead in your trespasses, not alive in the Lord, then you're a dead tree. And you may drop something in offering, but it's just an ornament. You may show up and say, can I get involved? But it's simply an ornament. It's an external ornament hanging on the dead tree. We have to be, we must be alive in Christ. Saved by grace through faith in him. Turn with me to Psalm 1. This is our last verse, our last text this morning. Psalm 1. Instead of ornaments hanging from you, my prayer, give me your eyes, church, is that there would be fruit growing from you. You see, every tree is going to have something coming out of them, whether it's external ornaments, because they're dead, or fruit, because they're alive. Let's finish with this verse, Psalm 1. Take a look at verse 3. It says, that person, the person who's alive in Christ, saved by grace, by faith in Jesus Christ, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither, and whatever they do, prospers. You guys can close your Bible. We're done this morning. If you didn't get the point of what we're trying to share this morning, it's this in closing. There are two ways for a churchgoer to live. You can continue to go to church, have good church attendance, and yet be dead with biblical decorations hanging off of you. Or you could be alive in Christ. You could be growing in grace. And you could be bearing fruit. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that somehow in the midst of our time together this morning, I pray that some, something in there, I pray that something in there was for someone in here. I prayed this morning that there was some type of word for someone who was sitting in one of these seats or for someone who was watching with the sunlight. A word that we can hold on to. A word that we can cling to. A word that we can walk away this morning saying, that was for me. That's why I came. That's what I needed to hear. So, Lord, I thank you for giving us this space here, this, this church where we can sit and receive biblical teaching where we can sit and clearly hear from you. So, Lord, I, I I'm excited. I'm excited with what you're gonna continue to do through this series. Lord, I'm excited to watch as those within our church here, to watch as they grow, as they bear fruit, as they grow in grace, as they grow deeply in love with you. And so, Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's all stand. You know, before we sing this last song, let me say this to you guys. I said it to you last week, and I'm going to say it again. Let's grow. Church, let's grow. Christian, follower of Christ, let's grow. Dad's in the room, let's grow. Mommy's in the room. Let's grow. Single men, single ladies in the room, let's grow. Teenagers, children in the room this morning, let's grow. Let's grow. Let's make the things of the Lord a priority. Let's give the Lord the preeminence in our life. Amen. Let's grow. Let's worship.